Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. Huawei has announced a duo of new laptops and a pocketable pair of headphones in Berlin this week and Pocket Britter O'Boyle's at the launch to bring us all the latest details. Meanwhile, with the electric vehicle market continuing to grow, have you ever thought about the cable that you use to charge it? Ian Hurd and Graham O'Reilly did and went on to found Watts, a company that specializes in making and selling cables for electric vehicles. It turns out that not all cables are the same. And finally, Pocalins Rick Henderson has been listening to all plethora of things while using the new Bowers & Wilkins PX7 S2 headphones. But can the upgraded offering, now with ANC, do the trick? Stay tuned to find out. But first, back to you, Britt. Tell us more about what's been happening in Berlin at the Huawei launch. So they've announced two, Huawei have announced two laptops, uh, one of which falls into the... Do you want to, sorry, do you want to start again so you don't fluff on the first yep. line? <laughs> Huawei have announced two laptops that um, sit into their Matebook range. Um, so they sit underneath their Pro models. Um, the first one is the Matebook 16S, which is the more premium of the two devices. And the second is the Matebook D16, which is within okay. their D series of laptops. Um, and how, how uh, and was that all they launched? No. So there's also um, some Freebuds um, head, wireless head earbuds, but they are actually quite exciting because they um, offer quite a lot of features for a pretty decent price point. So they're probably the most exciting of the three announcements i would say now a lot of people would say that when you say huawei to them they think of flagship android smartphones and unfortunately over the last couple of years that hasn't been the case due to you know restrictions on the us and things like that does this what was the general feeling at the event you were obviously at the event in berlin what's the general feeling about huawei and and its capabilities and what it's up to i think the general feeling is that the earbuds certainly still fall within that value for money, offering a decent design, a good spec list. Um, they've got ANC plus some dual driver technology and they have actually co-tuned them with DVLA, the French speaker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there is definitely some um, buzz around the headphones, I would say, especially since they're £170 and they offer high-res audio as well, uh, which is something that the AirPods Pro don't and they are obviously quite a lot more money than that so hmm. in terms of what they actually offer for the money that they're offering them for I do actually think that there is definitely some buzz around that and and warranted buzz as well in terms of the laptops um the d16 I wouldn't say it's like as exciting it's it's pretty much a, a laptop for people that work in an office and do that um typing on a regular basis and etc but the 16s the matebook 16s that is quite an exciting device um it's got some good specs and on under the hood but in terms of its actual design it's very sleek very nice um metal unibody so you definitely get some macbook feels i would say for it but right. for a significantly less 
price. <laughs> and so do we do we see this as a new tactic from Huawei in this kind of as it continues to try and build uh, back its smartphone uh, market with Harmony OS and the and, and its own app store uh, to try and get around the fact that it can't use Google. Are we are we seeing this as a tactic of of them putting a lot more effort into other devices that, that don't run Android? Yeah, I think, I mean, it keeps the name around, doesn't it? It keeps the name fresh in people's minds when um, when they're sort of looking at other ways of going around what they obviously can't do with their smartphones anymore. So there's definitely some sense of that, yes, where where they will, <laughs> where perhaps the tactic is to use other devices in order to perhaps gain the trust of people in a different way in a different market, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, they were exciting. I, I'd say that, obviously, it is a shame about the phones still. So hopefully maybe that will come back one day because their phones were very, very good. Um, but these the, the, earbud, the earbuds definitely have potential to be something for a lot of people, I think. And, and sometimes companies, you know, go to a big fanfare to announce all these things and then go, oh, oh, yeah, by the way, they're not out until Christmas. Uh, are we likely to see these devices anytime soon? Yes, yeah, so the, you can actually pre-order the earbuds already, I believe, on the Huawei website. And the laptops are coming out. Um, one of them is available to pre-order already. And I think you actually, if you're quick, you get a Mate View monitor at the same time, which is obviously quite a good thing if you're trying to set up your home office or whatever and you want two screens um and the other one is available the 16s the slightly more exciting device that's available mid-july i believe so they are coming out soon so it's not we don't have too long to wait which is always nice um so yeah so not too long not too far away still to come rick gives us his verdict on the bowers and wilkins px7 s2 headphones when you have to sit on a plane for seven eight hours you don't want to have to put them down and then put them back on again afterwards because you're in discomfort. And I've had that with a few different headphones. And the last generation PX7, sadly, didn't quite last the longevity test. Charging your electric vehicle at home is one of the big advantages of going electric. And for the most part, electric cars come with a standard charging cable allowing you to plug it in both at home and when you're out and about. But there are times when that cable might be too short, or you just want a second one for another property, or you need an upgrade. For seeing this problem, Ian Hurd and Graham O'Reilly set up Watts, an electric vehicle cable manufacturing business, to answer all those requests and more, and have seen the market drastically change in the time they've been up and running. I started by asking if the general consensus was that a cable is just a cable, and if so, what could their company offer that was so different to everything else on the market? Um, I think that uh, we all started off like that. And if you think about big analogy, I think for cars is uh, mobile phones. So electric vehicles these days are really sort of phones with wheels for a better analogy. And if you think back where we had dumb phones and there were a plethora of different cables uh, that you'd plug into your phone and we've moved all the way now to USB-C, USB-B, um, lightning cables. There's actually been quite a lot of innovation within the cables um, for phones. And we see the same sort of trends happening with um, uh, electric vehicles and charging cables as well. I think probably the really important thing as well with um, uh, electric vehicles is a bit like uh, when you buy a cheap Chinese or wherever from Amazon uh, phone cable and you see it starting to smolder after a couple of months on your phone, it's not much of a biggie. When you've bought yourself a £50,000 electric vehicle and your cable starts to smolder, 
or even worse because the amount of power that goes through it. Um, I think the type of cable you buy and the safety features it has become increasingly important. I think as more people get involved in electric vehicles or purchase them and use them, people come to a lot to appreciate a lot more how important the cables they use are to the vehicle they've they own. And so you talked there about innovation over time of, of mobile phone cables and stuff. What kind of innovations are we seeing in the electric car, electric vehicle cable industry? There's there's a new product we just launched, which is vehicle to load. So essentially, rather than the the flow going from the charge point to the car, it's turning it on its head and it's taking the the electricity the other way back from the the car to a to a domestic socket. So it means that people, you know, if you want to go camping, uh, maybe you, you have to hoover your car, whatever you need to do, you can simply just plug in the, the appliance and, and use your car to power it. And so that allows you to then, as you say, just to drain the battery, but using it through through a three-point pin plug, you know, going the other way. Commando, three-pin plug, um, any sort of plug that you want, really. Um, we're quite flexible on that. So you plug into the charge port inside the car, and then we can you can then um draw power from it yeah and at that point do you see i know some companies offer the ability to take with energy prices changing drastically at the moment seeing the ability to charge your car when it's cheap and then take your car and put it back into a battery into into the home how how do you see do you do you offer cables to do that and and also how do you see that that kind of panning out within the industry as a whole we're not there yet so that's 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 not what these cables would would do yet, but that's exactly it. I think where where it will go in the long term. So whereas people would now buy maybe a, a Powerwall battery for their home, you could see that actually at some point the car connects up and and it's exactly that. It's just used in the same fashion. I think the biggest challenge is a the infrastructure on the house house side. So why people are buying electric vehicles, you know, the adoption of batteries on houses and solar panels is slightly slower. And I think the other sort of why some car manufacturers are actually allowing sort of vehicle to grid. Obviously, Tesla has the biggest market share by far. And you know, Elon Musk has been fairly on the fence about whether he sees that as a as a productive use of the car. And do you see cables? Obviously, you're dealing with multiple manufacturers here. It's not just Tesla. It's, you know, Nissan, it's Audi, it's, it's, it's everybody's almost virtually everybody now has got an electric cable. Uh, electric car is there is there much difference between the cables that that you find or do you are you able to say well you're an aston martin driver that's got a hybrid therefore we're just going to charge you more so while they the the plugs themselves may be the same the what we noticed kind of early on is that actually people need a lot longer lengths in in many cases so you know, you you chop around and you can see five meters, maybe ten meters, but it's very hard to get much longer than that. So we've come in just saying, okay, you know, we can do anywhere between sort of two to, to fifty meters, different colors, obviously all the different options with uh, with the plugs, and just you know, the, the key to that has just been being able to assemble locally in the UK. I was thinking about one of your earlier podcasts with Osprey Charging and some of the the issues there yeah. around finding charging and one of the use cases that we have and we have quite a lot of uh, customers are uber drivers in london who they can never get parked close enough to lampposts they tend to buy like 15 meter cables from us so they can trail them up the side of the street to plug them into the lamppost which um, is a pretty use, good use case but in terms of the big difference in cables as well in terms of the build of them um, when you open them up there are quite a lot of differences to how they're built 
and the quality of them. So you've got the really big guys like the Jaguar who would be going to say Menenkes, who are a large German company who right. produce very expensive cables and they're, they're really well designed. But the majority of what people buy online are sort of uh, components coming from China where there could be variable sort of um, quality with how they're constructed. Uh, and then we do tend to see some some issues with those type of cables from time to time. And how do you find, you talked about that that 15 meter, you know, Uber driver kind of thing. <laughs> do you, does, does it make a difference in the charging capability, the length of the cable that you have? Do you have to do anything to it, you know, from a manufacturing point of view to be able to cope with that length? This is a pretty nerdy question, actually. And I'm glad you asked because we actually do have this problem. So there are different standards of um, the pilot core, which is the signal core within the cable. And it's a really, there's no, it's not like a digital communication you'd expect with a phone cable. It actually is a very simple signal that charge an analog signal that charges through the cable. And there's different sizes of the pilot core. So a cable could be anywhere from 0.5 millimeters squared to one millimeter squared. If you've got a longer cable, you need a, a, a wider diameter pilot core. Otherwise the signal just doesn't reach the other end and it won't charge right. properly. So we tend to use a larger pilot core cable, which enables us to make sure that um, the cable actually works over long distances. Whereas we have found, again, that other cables, if they're using the 0.5, it, it basically won't charge a car if it's over five meters or 10 meters. And electric car drivers, will, you know, depending on where you turn up, and this is something that Osprey was, was, again, talking about previously, is, you know, obviously there's a large difference in charging capabilities from the home and, and charging stations. And, you know, you go to some Tesla or even some VW charging stations in Germany, and they're kind of, you know, pumping in hundreds of, of kilowatts into the system. How do you find, do you think as an industry that's confusing to people? Does that, do you, do you get your customers coming and saying, what's the difference between this seven kilowatt and 22 kilowatt and 11 kilowatt charging cable and do what do I need? And how do you go about educating customers? Yeah, there's definitely a ton of confusion kind of coming in at the beginning and, you know, people will come to our support and, you know, the first thing we need to just establish is the car and then the charger. But then it's not as simple as that. You know, they may want to use it, not just at home in the, you know, when they go shopping, different, different environments. So definitely there's a process to go through. It is, it is pretty confusing initially, but yeah, we've tried to kind of get that down and just, just have a succinct sort of set of questions to, to get to the right answer. I think your previous guest talked about how he thought in 2030, you know, it wouldn't make much of a difference to sort of adoption. But from our point perspective, I think there has been almost a second wave. Our initial customers say maybe, 18 months ago, we were fairly savvy about electric vehicles. And now we're seeing a lot more people who are very sort of, basically they're just buying a car and this car just happens to be an electric vehicle. And for them, there's a lot more sort of handholding in terms of trying to help them understand how electric charging works, different charging rates and how that fits together. Um, I suppose as, as the market goes from early adopters to, to mass exactly. market. Sort of a really sort classic of use case. Interest level goes down. Yeah. And we do see different sort of... Um, sort of also charge rates because we talk about domestic charging charge rates by country so it seems the infrastructure in germany seems to be a lot more set up for three phase for each individual household so they tend to be able to charge at 22 kilowatts so our sales to germany are a lot higher with 22 kilowatt cables whereas the infrastructure and the grid in the uk most people just have a single phase to their house and you know i think upgrading to something like the the technology they have in germany or the infrastructure they have in germany is going to take us quite a while and and I suppose where where does it go next? Um, 
where does it go next? I think in the short term, uh, one of the things we want to really make sure is uh, almost constructing smart cables where we have some sort of thermal management in the cable just to protect people's vehicles and to make sure the cables don't overheat and start um, doing other sorts of things. Um, longer term, uh, at least from a Watts perspective, we're really looking at sort of how we can also encourage the um, the household side of the technology. So chargers, um, batteries, solar panels. Um, so rather than relying on a, a grid, maybe in the UK, that's, you know, maybe needs a lot of investment, there's the opportunity to actually sort of improve the infrastructure at the actual house itself and to make electric vehicles a lot more sustainable. And I suppose that, that comes down to, from a cable point of view, there's not, it sounds like the technology isn't going to advance hugely in that, in that sense, in the same way, do you think we'll see, you know, if you go back to your original point about mobile phone cables and how we've gone from, you know, the original iPhone cable to now USB-C and, yeah. and, and moving on Thunderbolt and things like that. Do you, do you see the, the same advancements in cables over time or is it because it's a power-based scenario that in reality you've kind of got to where it's going to be at for quite some time? Um, in terms of the actual cables themselves, I think for them to be sort of usable and malleable, there's, that's a sort of physical limit to how much power you put down the cable before it starts heating up. So I think there is a sort of a physical limit in that respect um, where cables could be improved and will probably be improved is at the moment, there's no real, apart from an analog signal running down the cable, there's no communication itself between the charge point and the car. And I think right. that's somewhere where the industry can think about improving that. So there's more. Um, and again, you, I think you talked about this when, you know, whether it's a Taycan or a clear a charging station, having more clear communication between what the car needs and what the charge point can provide. Um, I think that probably does need to happen. I thought of kind of more of a handshake. This is what you're going to get more kind of upfront details of and of charging speeds and, and better sort of data analysis that way. Exactly. So I'm a Taycan and I can take up to say 256 kilowatt charging uh, versus I'm a clear and uh, basically mine's stuck at 50. The Bowers & Wilkins PX7S2 are a bit of a surprise entry into the headphone market coming just two years after the reveal of the first PX7 headphones. So are the new headphones a worthy follow-up to the first generation and how do they compare against the industry's big hitters? Well, the good news is, is Pocalint's Rick Henderson has been using the new headphones ahead of the launch and joins me to share how he's been getting on. So Rick, do you like them? In a word, yes. Um, the... Uh... I was actually a big fan of the previous Bowers & Wilkins PX7 headphones, um, but there were f um, some minor caveats to them, and they seem to have been addressed this time around. The, um, let's Starting at the beginning, the design of the, uh, S, uh, the Series 2 version is better. It's, uh, they are far more comfortable. That is a really big thing. I always, I've always found... Bells and Wilkins headphones to be exemplary when it comes to audio, but there's a few things that other brands have always done slightly better, and one of mm. them was comfort. Um, and yet these are very, very comfortable. When you have to Good. sit on a plane for seven, eight hours, you don't want to have to put them down and then put them back on again afterwards because you're in discomfort. And I've had that with a few different headphones, and the last generation PX7 sadly didn't quite last the longevity test they um they got a little bit sort of like pr the pressure on you is a lot it, it is quite right. um was quite restrictive 
these are much softer. The ear cups are softer. The headband is softer. They've um, declamped them slightly so that um, they're not so they don't push onto your head quite so much. Yet because of the softer memory foam and the uh, and the better materials used on the ear cups, you still get the excellent isolation for noise isolation as well as that noise cancelling um, technology as well. Um, they also look better. Uh, well, that's always a bonus, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the last generation was a real departure for Bang and uh, for Bowers and Wilkins. They didn't look like their traditional headphones, whereas these look exactly like their traditional ones, with sort of like a raised deco plate they call it on each ear, um, and they are really swish. Cool. And so they've improved the design. But this time around, they've added noise cancellation. Is that right? Active noise cancellation? Well, there, there was active noise cancellation, but they've improved it dramatically. Right. Um, it's not adaptive. So there are others on the market, like the WH-1000XM5s from Sony, that offer adaptive noise cancellation. These are active noise cancellation, which means basically you switch it on or you switch it off. There is ambient pass-through, but you essentially have it on or off. Adaptive noise cancellation, what that actually means is the headphones will um, adapt automatically depending on your surroundings. So if right. you're not in a particularly noisy environment um, and you've got adaptive noise cancelling headphones, then you might find that the noise cancellation is switched off entirely be- uh, automatically. Because it because doesn't need it. Yeah, it doesn't need it. Um, whereas these, were, you essentially would have to do that manually. Thankfully, there's a little tiny button on the left-hand ear cup that just all you have to do is press it once and it switches it either to ambient pass through, switch it again, it switches it off. It's very, very simple. And to be honest, I've always had a mild issue with adaptive noise cancelling technologies anyway in the fact that they they jump between, like, um, for example, um, I have a pair of headphones whereby if I get on a tube train, it's really noisy and I'm standing up, but then sit down. It then goes into sitting mode and switches the noise cancellation off. Mm. So and you know, that's the problem, isn't it? Sometimes because it tries to be too clever and yeah. then it doesn't necessarily work. Exactly. It, so I end confused. up I end up turning off the adaptive noise cancelling most headphones anyway. So so and I'm so, not bothered about that. Okay, so we've got a better design, better noise, active noise cancellation. Does that equal better sound? Um, and that's where this is where uh, we really come into it now. There are some headphones that have superb noise cancelling, and the Bowers and Wilkins PX7S2s aren't quite in that category. Um, but noise with noise cancelling and the way it works, it will always affect the audio performance. And the reason why Bowers and Wilkins don't go for the real supreme end of high-tech noise cancelling is because you have to keep a very, very good audio stream to get the performance out of them. Obviously, if you're cancelling whatever noise is outside, it's going to affect whatever source material is going into your ears. Hmm. So um, they have, I think they have found that very, very good balance whereby the audio performance is never hampered, even with the noise cancelling on. And it is, these are truly excellent headphones just as normal headphones um the uh, the other thing i quite like about bmw headphones generally is that the drivers are slightly angled towards your ears rather than just sort of like flat right so be- and because they're angled you get a wider sound stage so what i absolutely love and, and the musicality is excellent on them but actually that also really benefits when you're watching something on an ipad or an iphone or an android device uh, in terms of Netflix or Disney Plus, because 
you're getting this slightly wider, more natural soundstage. Well, there you go. So, and in terms of the competition, how does it fit in with the likes of the Sonys and the Bang & Olufsen's and, and, and others in that area? It's definitely right up there. Um, it's a horses for courses kind of thing because I'm a big fan of the Sony WH-1000 XM5s. Um, big fan of uh, the latest Bose Quiet Comfort over ears as well but where the bowers and wilkins i can't i see fit in is that they are more for audio files it is worth considering though and this is this is one caveat in a in autumn time bowers and wilkins plan to to bring out a higher end anc wireless headset right the px8 um and obviously that will come with a price to match. So, you know, these the, the Bowers and Wilkins PX7 S2s are around $399, £379. But the you are going to, I think you're going to be looking more at the £500 mark for the PX8s. However, if you're a true audiophile and you are genuinely, audio performance is the only thing that matters to you, it might be worth holding off. Mm. Otherwise, I do think that these fit in beautifully in that premium category. And so the final question is, uh, when you have to send them back, will you be sad? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, these would have been my de facto, de facto headphones from now on. So um, I was very, very impressed. Well, that's it for this week's show. Until next time, thanks for listening. Pip, pip. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 